This podcast you're about to listen to is a controlled experiment using trained intellectual monkeys. The following episode is one of the infinite debates these monkeys have had. Remember that these are the opinions of real monkeys and may not reflect the opinions of the highly trained human scientists in charge. And most importantly, no monkeys were harmed in the making of this podcast. Hey, welcome to the Infinite Monkeys podcast. Oh my god. <laughs> sorry, was that too loud? A little oh, I'm bit. So sorry. Yeah. All right. Wish I could turn down my headphones a little. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the <laughs> Infinite Monkeys podcast. My name is Teo Gady. Joining me today is Gunnar Leitner. Uh, this is episode 023. It is March 29th, 2019. And, uh, Tyler is on the other side of the planet, and uh, internet is not available there, so um, he won't be joining us today. So, uh, before I get into the topic for today, uh, yeah, how is it going, Gunnar? How are you? Uh, I am very good. Um, yeah, no, it was it was nice. I had a, a week where I uh, got some stuff done, saw some people, so it was nice. So, yeah. Always good to have those those types of weeks where you're productive and get to see some people, right? Heck yeah! How's how's your how's your pet dragon? Uh, they are oh, doing great. Are, wow, they're just yes. behind me. Yeah, yeah. There's both of them, right? Fucking. Um, but yeah, no, they're doing great. Um, my one, I was really concerned that he was depressed, but he's he's been out and about lately, so we're Be- good. I think bearded dragons could get depressed. Um. Uh, not really. So, like, he might have been, like, brewmating, and it's, like, hmm. a process in which lizards kind of just, like, hibernate, but not fully. They're kind of, like, awake sometimes and chill out. They just hang. Hmm. And so he was kind of, like, doing that, but it was only for, like, a few weeks. And, I don't know, we just gave him a new new place to hide, so he might have just been enjoying that a lot. But, yeah, no, he's he's back out again and cuddling his lamb, so that's nice. It's nice to see. He has a pet lamb. I saw it. It's not it's a real really pet. Cute. Yeah, it's not a real pet <laughs> lamb. It's a it's a stuffy, but it's his. Nice. Oh yeah, there it is for all the for the podcast listeners. Uh, <laughs> there's a uh, there's a lamb in the uh, in the uh, in the in the tank behind Gunner. It's very cute. Yep. Yeah. Yep. He's currently just kind of chilling behind it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, cute. How about you, Tay? How have you been? I've been pretty good. The we- the weather is like shifted dramatically from blizzard to uh like really nice weather for the last week and a half. Dude, totally. Same it's here. Glorious. <laughs> I'm like I'm re- I'm remembering what it means to be like, you know, a-, a human being outside 
and like smelling nice air and, you know, seeing green things, seeing colorful things generally. Kind of just like stopping and closing your eyes in the sunlight. Yeah. I found myself doing that a lot. I'm like, ah, oh, this is really yeah. nice. <laughs> it's so nice. And I find this happens every year where I, I, I you know, throughout the whole winter and fall, I, I just forget what that is, what that's like, you know, be, being in the sun and, uh, you know, just kind of relaxing. Like it's it just leaves my existence. It's it's not a part of my world. And then, and then it just sneaks up on me every every spring. It just comes back. And I think, like, I don't know about you, but I definitely underestimate the impact <laughs> that not having the sun in your life as much. Like, we go from having what sixteen hours of sunlight in in the summertime. I don't know if that's true. Something like that. Yeah. Um, to like eight in 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 the winter <laughs> yeah. time, so it's really dramatic, um, yeah. And and I've definitely noticed that it has quite the impact on my mood when I'm just living in nearly perpetual darkness. Yeah. You wake up, go to work, and it's dark. You come home, it's already dark, and it's just like ah, oh, it's no way to live. It's no way to live. Yeah, the spring is just it's just always a surprise. Yeah, it's just. Um, yeah, no, it's really nice. I love this time of year. Another thing that I've been doing is uh, getting totally absorbed into this uh, space program, um, like a software program <laughs> um, called Space Engine. This is the the modeling thing that you, you sent me a little snippet of? Uh, no, that's Desmos, which is like the best um, graphing, like free graphing tool available. It's like such oh. a use, such an excellent um, tool for anyone who wants to graph something. Um, yeah, it was really cool, and I quite enjoyed just like playing around with with some of the little equations and buttons and awesome. stuff. For anyone who doesn't know, you should go and check out Desmos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it actually, it comes with a whole bunch of tutorial um, graphs and stuff. And anyways, Desmos is awesome, but. The, 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 one, the thing I'm talking about is a uh, space engine, which is literally a space simulator. Um, and like you, you, it has it's great graphics. Um, everything's to scale. It has info on every celestial body in the solar system and, um, and beyond. And anything that isn't known to astronomy is procedurally genu- generated. <laughs> So what does that mean? Like you can go to a star and it'll be like approximately what they think that star yeah, is like. Or... Yeah. And then they'll throw some planets around it that are like reasonable nice. according to that star and stuff. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. And apparently it's run by just like this. Well, at least it was started out by just this one like Russian ast- astronomer dude. Um, who, yeah. Just did all the work <laughs> and made it so, so accurate. Um, Anyways, it's 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 super cool, and I've been getting uh, really absorbed into that. Just now, is this is this like a VR type of simulator, yeah, I, or, or it's yeah, you 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 explore in three dimensions, and you can actually uh, uh, that there is an Oculus Rift option where you can just go VR in it. Yeah! Wow, that's yeah. cool. That's so yeah. cool. I kind of want to go try this it's out. It's free. After. <laughs> uh, SpaceEngine.com. Huh. Like it's it's. Watch out! You'll uh, you'll lose a month probably of, of your life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, that sounds really cool. Um, but one thing in particular that blew my mind uh, yesterday was, okay, so I was hanging out on the moons of Neptune, right? And As one yeah. does. And Neptune is a really giant blue gas giant at the outer edge of our solar system. And um, it has a whole bunch of moons. Um, and so I was hanging out on this moon. I don't remember the name. Like Nyad or something. I don't know. Whatever. It's, it's the closest moon. It's very small. It's not even round. Um, but in, in the, the program lets you land on planets and stuff. So I landed on this moon. And I was facing Neptune. And uh, one thing I realized once I was doing that was that um, on that world, it alternates between uh, like the sun hitting hit, uh, hitting the moon, and then and then it's dark, and then you get this like blue <laughs> reflection. Oh, that's yeah. cool! It's <laughs> so one day it goes like two hours of sunlight, and then like an hour and a half of just blue light, and then <laughs> um. And then uh, sunlight again, and then darkness. <laughs> it's really wild. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds like actually incredible. Yeah. I need to go and do this. So yeah, I need to go see what like Saturn's like. Now. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, watch out, as I said before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, in terms of uh, topic for today, um, totally unrelated to space. Uh, <laughs> on from the space, on, space talk. Yeah. Uh, to um, earlier today, I was thinking about. Um, I was listening to a podcast. Yeah, and um, the the topic came up, and they didn't really go much into it, but I was curious. And the topic um, was about universities, and um, how. In recent years, we've, like, or I guess last few decades, we've democratized post-secondary education. Excuse me, sorry. Um, which means that, uh, you know, everyone's allowed to go, basically. Um, or, like, at least far more people are allowed to go. Um, the uh, Far less people are um, unadmitted, you know. So when you say democratize, you don't mean that like people are voting over it. You just mean accessibility has essentially increased to the point that it's available for most, if not everybody. Yeah, yeah. Like almost wherever you live, um, even in uh, average-sized towns, there's going to be a college and maybe even a university. And uh, and it's um, it's not going to be our, our society is in a in a place where it's probably more likely than not that if you wanted to go, you could go. Um, yeah, especially like there's loans exactly, as, yeah. as shitty as there are. <clears throat> Sorry, there's loans and, and scholarships and stuff. So it is it is somewhat uh, reasonable. And even like trade school is, is if we're going to go as far as saying like post-secondary, yeah, sure. right? Uh, trade, trade school is, is typically viewed as being completely accessible for for uh, everyone regardless of their background right or at least that's my impression of it that's my impression but i don't know anything about that i, I, I was thinking more about uh, about university um mm -hmm. uh, 
and the the questions that I, I wanted to raise were um, uh, g- given this drastic increase in accessibility and and actually influx too, you know, far more people are get, um, getting associates or bachelor's degrees. Um, uh, seems to me that there that there are some some potential i guess problems that that come out of that and one of them being a reduction in standards of like the like the quality of the education um because if the uh emission criteria is high to the point where like i mean ignoring all like class bias stuff and uh um Oh, corruption! <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, All the nepotism involved with this, process. right? <laughs> Ignoring that, and so suppose uh, admission criteria was just on like merit and, uh, and all this um, tests, high school tests. Um, uh, if if it's way easier to get in, then um, it seems to me that 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 we'll have that that we have. Seem to be having a reduction in in quality of uh, the bachelor's education, but is is that because I think that they try to um, keep the at least illusion of of like uh, standards alive through having like these big level schools or whatever Ivy League schools and and these things which have. Um, because there are some schools out there that have a very very low acceptance rate and and maybe while having like education accessibility to to everybody is is going to kind of like make probably the quality lessened do you think it's going to make the like because quality is so associated with where you got your degree right that's not going to change. And I don't think that's going to change if someone sees like, Oh, you went to this small blue collar college or something in, in some small town, uh, people will look at that and, and will probably treat you accordingly or something like that. At least that's my impression. Um, so do you think that this is, this is applicable to those like kind of Ivy league schools who are still having that extremely high, even if they do practice nepotism and and favor you know certain classes of people, um, do you think that that still applies to them? I guess I guess I guess not. Yeah, it's a good point. The the the, the stratification of, of universities. Um, the, the, there's still a lot that that require a lot of um, uh, that, that have a lower admittance rate. Because um, there is it, there is some measurable level of elitism within academia yeah. like there, there is on like an, an outside scale and then once you get into that it, it gets even worse i would say um the amount of elitism you know if someone went to like harvard or oxford and and something they can uh pretty well work at any place that they want versus someone who maybe i don't know got a degree somewhere else they might not be able to um so yeah, there's definitely a, a fair amount of elitism which plays into this still. Right. Yeah, it's, it's interesting when you 
when you were t- talking about the different uh about like, like comparing an ivy league school to like um small town university college um as you're saying that i was thinking i was, I was just remembering how uh, how excellent uh, my education was uh, at Okanagan College, <laughs> and that it was actually like far, far superior in my, in my view to uh, the my my later university education. So, so there's there's kind of an irony there <laughs> that even though it's it's like it's easier to get into the small colleges uh, for for various reasons. Maybe we could get into them. That you actually kind of get a better education there. <laughs> Yeah, there's a there's a lot of reasons too that that kind of play into that, like being like class size and and sometimes some of these uh, really good professors want to go somewhere slow rather than teaching 150 students in a in a lecture. They do want this kind of uh, more intimate style right. where they can interact with students and actually maybe you know improve the lives of these people because like. Uh, I, I at least because we went to the same yeah. college uh, my impression was that these professors were really really dedicated to like helping us succeed rather than like for example my impression in in university was much more of like we need to maintain the standard curve so it's kind of uh I don't know there's a lot of trade-offs behind having these large class sizes and behind having these these little ones yeah hmm now that we're getting into this, I'm kind of thinking that just like the, the democratization of post-secondary education is just it's just it's just a good thing. Like <laughs> I'm I'm having a hard time I, I think, uh, pushing against it now because like <laughs> I, I think that it really on on by and large like just having that accessibility. If we could have that to everybody, I I've always been a proponent of this. I think having just uh, access to that level of education is always going to be good but but yeah no the there's a lot a lot to be said about having democratized uh uh schooling that doesn't necessarily erode the the quality hmm cool well maybe we could take this into a a bit of a a different uh direction sorry excuse me sorry um what are your like on the on the subject of like small class sizes and and uh, uh, maybe more teaching oriented instructors at the at the small colleges, um, what do you think the uh, what is my question here? <laughs> I I would like. Uh... I'm thinking about us and we're very, we're taking like a very anecdotal approach. Like there could very well still be the argument to be had that having all of these colleges does result in a, in a lack of like almost standardizability in which you can ensure that everyone is getting this good education. Because I honestly think that uh, the Okanagan college is really, really um, sought after as a place to teach. Um, reason being like the Okanagan is a beautiful place right, right. Um, and and a lot of the professors that that work there are essentially like University of British Columbia uh, related because they have a campus in here so I don't know if our our impression is necessarily realistic of what 
everything is because we have kind of like a, a college town and and that interplay of having a really prestigious university campus in town which interacts with the college and and I know that they have like a lot of programs intended to directly cross over like they kind of work to get together to to enhance the college's um criteria so maybe um maybe the answer is like we just had a really uh special experience in our undergraduate right, degree right well that, that that's a very fair fair point um yeah uh, thank you for pointing out the bias <laughs> that, that's good um yeah uh well, what if we take the um, the 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 class size disparity from like b- between colleges and, and universities because that 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 exists um, for, for, for for all colleges and non universities you know like first year biology class at a college would have like thirty to forty people in it and um, whereas uh, the university would be more like 200 or 300 maybe even more depending on how big it is um is is there is there a positive side at all to um having a really large class size particularly for for a course like introductory biology um it it depends it depends whose viewpoint you're looking at on one hand um like from looking at a university, they get to cram as many sardines <laughs> who are paying like $400 a pop into there. And yeah. because you know that like in sciences, especially STEM, the dropout rate in from first year to second year is quite significant. A lot of these people are kind of just transiently going through their first year of sciences. Um, so from the university standpoint, yeah, like they probably love having 400 people to to a class. That's probably great for them because that's like, what's $1,660,000 or something. Yeah. So so if they can do that, I think that that would be great. And I'm sure that if they could do that in fourth year classes, they would. But But what I've seen is that by the fourth year, it's like usually like, 60 kids maybe in a in a class and that's as, as large as you're getting so it's kind of getting down to college levels um but so if you're going to look at this from the the student's point of view um i i suppose it enhances your ability to interact with people um because maybe you have to go in now work in a group of 10 people or something i like i hmm. i'm really struggling to see any yeah. benefit um because i don't think that there is one i'm i'm really trying um hmm. like maybe your ability to network is higher like you can you're you're meeting like 400 people uh or you have the uh, capacity to meet 400 people all at once right they're all right, right. there uh, you could go and introduce yourself, and these are going to be future leaders in in your industry. So I guess it is a, a good if someone's really driven, they could fucking do that. But you know, I think I'm honestly giving it too much due. I think that the uh, the huge class sizes is really detrimental to quality of of education. Um, I don't think that listening to a professor talk to like 
400 kids and then get very little feedback on things and very little time, one-on-one time, I don't think that that's a, a very good um, learning environment. Right. Yeah, I'm struggling myself as well to benefits to the, the, the class itself. The learning experience in the class. Although, if you're a student at a large university, and you're, um, you know, trying to connect with communities, you know, you're more you're more likely to find more clubs. Um, you can get you get more involved in clubs on campus because there's more students. Mm-hmm. And um, and and I suppose um, on top of that, like, yeah, the the community will be a lot more uh, vibrant, but. Um, I think that by having 400 people, maybe you have a larger pool for competition. And so the really elite students will be the top two, top four students, and that will kind of carry through. And so you can kind of use your first year as a really good identifier um, as as how competitive you are. I, I fucking don't know. Maybe that's it, though. Because that is kind of like we're talking about... Um, quality that is a good way to maintain quality is if you're if you're throwing 400 people if they're maintaining the standard curve at like 75 i think uh probably lower in a lot of like really prestigious universities um then you are going to have that kind of elite top student arise in that more often i could see that like yeah if, if you're if you're a keen student in a class of 400 you're you're gonna want to you're going to be competing with 400 people rather than a class of 20. It's easier to, at least just by numbers, easier to compete with 20. That being said, I, I'm not sure that, um, and I think there are studies to back this up, I'm not sure that like performance in school, post-secondary, first year, necessarily correlates to success in research right. or a field or anything like that. So uh, I I don't know. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a bit muddy when you, when you get into, if there is a benefit with having large class sizes for a student, I think. Hmm. All right. Well, hmm. I actually don't know where, where to go from there. Uh, I mean, an, an endpoint that is attractive to me and, uh, you know, has been sort of hovers in my mind. Uh, a lot is, oh, we just need to get rid of the universities. We need to like come up with something different <laughs> because it's so, um, you know, industrial and uh, and all this. But I, I I don't really know how to how to how to how to get there. <laughs> well, I think, and and as much as I'm against standardization, but there has to be a, a way to standardize quality yes. a- across all metrics and 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 our metrics and quality need to be updated to be more reflective of of probably success in in the workplace or or something because right now it seems to be much more of a vanity project to to have like a a 99.9% GPA uh, rather than actually putting work into making yourself a more competitive worker and being a better worker and being more critical and better enabled to kind of uh, navigate the world rather than just have a high GPA and be a walking book. Like I, I don't know if, if the priorities of the, of a university 
are necessarily the same priorities as 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 the student but or or the or the employer because uh, i i think that that is kind of the main kind of uh reason for going to school is to find a job right to to enable you to kind of compete in this landscape and um and yeah so i just i i think that um i forgot totally what i was saying yeah well it's it's, <laughs> it's an interesting thing that uh like we go to university to uh you know uh, transform ourselves into uh uh, things that can do jobs and what what does what does that entail because um, i feel i feel like we um there, there's an assumption that we need to just like know a bunch of content and procedures or um like it's like we're given really abstract sort of um uh things to optimize for to uh, compete for jobs like grades or you know um, whereas things like thinking critically or writing or speaking or um, actually having a uh, explicitly defined system for problem solving uh, these things aren't uh, at the forefront of a bachelor's education and that's that's on <laughs> yeah i and i definitely think that they should be because when it comes down to it i think i think it's essentially a failure of universities to update themselves for the problems of tomorrow they're kind of still teaching people for jobs of the 90s and they need to start teaching people for jobs of like 2030 Interesting. and i th and i think that what's going on in in labor especially is is everyone's talking about automation right that's supposed to knock everything out and so i think the way to properly work in the future is going to be able to do like um jobs that are different from day to day jobs that require you to like analyze um what you're doing and adapt and change within the system like things that aren't easily automated right because everyday tasks are just going to continue to be automated away right uh things that involve interacting with people serving people um but in like an adaptive style right is those things are always going to be kind of in demand i think and what universities are preparing you to do is to learn something through a book or some some other means repeat it learn a learn maybe a protocol or something and it's, it's just kind of like repetitious tasks and they don't they they don't encourage very much of that adaption process much of that kind of meta awareness which a machine won't have uh and meta awareness being like able to analyze that what you're doing in a situation can be improved or something like that um optimization is something a machine isn't going to be able to do so it's 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 a shame really because universities are are teaching us to be robots that are going to be available in the next 10 to 15 years right. so i yeah that's 
I definitely think that they need to to update their their processes because one of the things that they can do is to encourage things that require like creativity and stuff like that because I I don't know how far they are on on automating things like that. Um, and so I don't know how a university can do that, but I don't think it's from a realm of 400 people to a class. Right, right. Yeah, it seems it seems like these skills seem very difficult to me to be able to teach on an on an industrial scale. <laughs> I, I'm just thinking back to my first year creative writing class. There was like there were like 13 of us, and uh, we all read each other's work and talked about each other's work um, with direct feedback from the prof who was leading the discussion, and it was it was a it was a very intimate sort of thing. I learned so much about how to write and um, think and you know, tr tr transform my ideas into a string of words. You know, it's 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 not an easy thing. But I learned so much from that class, and I think it was due to that intimacy, small scale. So, how are we gonna? Yeah, gonna and do this. <laughs> well, well, I think like there's methods to appropriate the large classroom to be more conducive to maybe developing those skills. Um, and things that come to mind are like these newfangled ways of teaching, like the flipped classroom. Um, and if anyone doesn't know about that, it's where you do a lot of your teaching or a lot of your learning beforehand. Uh, you can have access to like uh, web cast lectures and stuff like that so you can learn things on your own free time and then and then on top of that when you're in the class setting you're getting together with one another and discussing the material and 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 kind of interacting more uh as a group to solve a problem or to to an ends or something like mm. that which is a lot more what you would require in in the future i think so I, I suppose there are ways to, uh, to to mend these these issues and still maintain that four hundred person, eight hundred person class. Like I don't know how big these classes get, but I assume in these huge universities they can get up to like a thousand fucking people. I don't know if that's hyperbolic. <laughs> I I just assume they're so big that I can't comprehend them because I've never seen a thousand person lecture hall. Um, Hundreds at least. Yeah, hundreds at least, mid hundreds. So I, I think that's one possible method uh, forward, but it it definitely has to if if you are going to go the 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 route of having like post secondary and university available to everyone, it definitely has to have some form of like a systemic kind of uh, standardizable process in which like. Like it, and especially if you're doing this classroom in where everyone's just has to learn stuff online beforehand, and then just they're going to the class just to talk and and do stuff like that. I think that that's really adaptable to the the democracy aspect, the the making it free for everyone, because then you just have to kind mm -hmm. of, uh, yeah, have access to the internet and and, and whatnot. Right. Yeah. That's a lecture that's hall. A good, that's, that's a good it. point. Yeah. May as well use the internet. <laughs> Solve our problems. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I I can't really think of where to go from there. I'm not being a very good host today. <laughs> um.
Um, I guess I guess there I guess there's another thing on the same topic of um, particularly on science so sciences education. Um, uh, reflecting back to like first year science and um, how it was it was like this this big uh, waterfall of just all of science and then English mixed in and uh, it it it's it seemed to me uh, at, at least I mean I I I did first year science in a, in a rather broken sort of way but I'm, I'm just uh, basing my experience on watching my friends my friends do it and um, it, it seemed it seemed like it was a uh, like a very chaotic sort of sort of uh, way to introduce people to the sciences um, and not very clear on what the purpose of the experience was other than work hard and make it or don't you know sink or swim yeah now you're now you're in the real world kid. right you have to take all of these science courses with labs and all that stuff on top yeah. of it and like it, i was talking about this with, with my partner recently about um how in the in the bachelor of science program you don't really you don't you're not required to take like to study logic or how to form an argument uh, how to write um, a scientific uh, or like how to yeah how to make a scientific argument um, how to frame frame the questions and and all this and how to solve problems <laughs> like it's 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 never an, an explicit thing it's always uh you need to know how to do this as you answer the questions on the midterm in, in your class on genetics or something. Not, uh, it's never like an explicit thing. Here's how, here's how logic works. <laughs> yeah. And, and those are almost, I would almost argue those are almost the, uh, the things that are really laterally useful. Like you can apply those to all of the sciences, uh, how to form a logical argument, I don't know where that doesn't apply. <laughs> right. So, so like, yeah, I just to just to kind of like add some some backing to what you're saying. Like, I I definitely think they should teach logic or or at least stress it a lot more in some of the classes that they encourage you to take or force you to take in a in a BSc. Right. And what what uh, is often given instead is like a, like a first year English writing, like. How to write an essay, sort of, sort of class. Um, well, it can also be you could take like poetry and drama, right. which teaches you how to analyze a metaphor of like a lion or something. And nothing against that, but like those, those aren't that relevant to science and stuff. Yeah, and, and it's, it's it's a hard thing to sell to to four hundred science students. <laughs> like, hey, this metaphor of uh, Adam and Eve, you know, and the apple, like, this is really important to your biotech career. <laughs> Actually, it might be. I mean, apples, I don't know, engineering, I don't know. But, um, good for branding. You could get some really good branding oh, ideas yeah, out yeah. of it. If you GMO some some apples, <laughs> Adam and Eve apples, GMO. Nice, good competitor for, for uh, apple. Bam. <laughs> Branded. It's. I think that's a sex thing, isn't it? What? 
Adam and Eve. I'm pretty sure it's a sex thing. What do you mean? I think they sell vibrators. Oh, too. I see what you're saying. I th- like, I think <laughs> someone this, actually has branded. I think it. it yeah, it's been branded. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> not 100%. It might just be a place to cheat like Ashley Madison. I honestly can't remember. Um, But yeah, just that, like... Right. So I, I either we get the the poetry class, um, which, I mean, poetry is great, um, but it, it's, it's, it's hard to sell to science students who aren't sold on it going into it. And... Um, Yes, you learn how to make an argument on metaphors and stuff, and so, so, so implicitly, you you are touching what you need to know, just like doing research and arguing a case. Um, but it's not explicit. And in the case of the other type of English class, which is usually like a university writing class, it's I would actually I actually never took one, but <laughs> from 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 what I've seen, it 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 seems to be. Like, how do you write an essay? And it's like this very formulaic sort of class and how to references. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely is like how to build a bibliography and, and stuff right. like that. And and they do teach you some stuff like how to how to write a clear sentence oh, cool. and stuff like okay. that. All right. Well, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, go on, go on. I, I, uh, yes. So going on, um, these these other things that I'm gonna talk about here. I'm just gonna get on to the next topic. Uh, I'm not uh, thinking about uh, not having a topic, uh, but stalling for time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, do you want to talk about writing? <laughs> sure. Sure. What, I'm currently doing that with uh, some of my free time, I guess. Oh, cool. What are you writing? If you and want to talk and about work it. time, I guess. Well, I'm just writing like a, a paper for science. That's all. That's all I'm willing to say. It's for science. Is, is this like a... It's, it'll be like a publishable thing in, in, in a, in a uh, journal, I cool. hope. Hopefully it doesn't just get like open access to somewhere, but who knows? Um, but yeah, no, that's what I'm currently writing. And it's been a pain in the ass trying to be clear with sentences that I'm like really struggling to understand myself. Yeah. That's always really fun. And to be specific, yeah. making points that back one another up. It's fucking crazy. And I don't know if I was really prepared for it in my, in my undergrad that well. Right. Um, yeah, it's so, so, so like you're, you're trying to interpret research and then, um, build arguments based on it or you just, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty, that's essentially what, what the entire crux of it is. And it's just difficult to be able to synthesize what they're saying in the research and then make that into a coherent enough statement that someone would be like, someone else would be willing to to take that and then like spend time pursuing uh, some of the arguments that I'm putting forward. It's such a joy to read good writing. <laughs> and it's such a pain to read bad writing. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I've had to read my own really terrible writing for like, and edit it and re-edit <laughs> it, and so for like the last year, it's just literally taken over oh, a year. Oh, long project. So, oh yeah, it's a huge cool. one. It's uh, yeah. And and, and this but, isn't your 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 thesis. No, no, that I will start writing later down the line. But yeah, awesome. no, this is uh, this is like a side project for the the lab that I work right in. Right on. What are you writing right now, Taya? Uh, well, I'm writing. I, 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 have you? Yes, been? I, I have been writing. Uh, kind of alternating between different things. Uh, I've, I've been doing a lot of research into, uh, like space, <laughs> and um, uh, like planetary science and celestial mechanics and things, and for 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 uh. For a science fiction book, I'm writing about humans colonizing the solar system, and uh, so I've got this big document full of um, uh, paragraphs of thoughts <laughs> and research notes, <laughs> just completely disjointed yeah. and and in no particular yeah. order. Yeah, and I've just been building that like a crazy person for like the last uh, like month or so, and. Oh, that's awesome! It's important to hoard your ideas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, it's. I've been finding it useful to uh, go for quantity over quality at this juncture, um, while I'm just learning stuff and thinking, and just I just want it all to come out. Um, so that's been that's been a lot of fun. <laughs> Um, and although every every now and then you know so, 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 something good does come out because you know it's just the the law of law of numbers you know <laughs> yeah. yeah what is that uh it, for selling that's a really important rule to just keep selling to people because on average you'll sell to like ten percent so even if the first ninety give up the next ten will <laughs> right. Hit you. I think that that applies so much to creative thought, especially mm. like anything that that requires a level of quality to mm. it and originality. Because like eventually, like even if only one in a thousand of your of your ideas are 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 good enough to go forward into the next end, like that's that's still you know if you're writing down ten thousand things, yeah. that's. 10 ideas that's good enough to start building a legitimate thing so i've always i i like i like taking that approach too of just mass production when you're first starting any anything creative right. like that and then just kind of like yeah focus in on the things that you think are good and then i've actually taken that step or that that exact approach to to making music and stuff nice. too yeah yeah cool yeah having a high production rate is is good because i mean it's 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 not necessarily the case that the good stuff that you do produce you know the one in a thousand times is ready to go out to the world but it, it, it might be like the that really good idea that you can develop mm -hmm. yeah no exactly um and not to mention the act of, of doing something like a thousand times <laughs> just to find one good nugget the next time you do a thousand things, there'll probably be five good nuggets in that, yeah. in that thousand. Yeah. And you'll slowly start zeroing in on a place where 
instead of working for for months, you might be able to come up with with a good thing every every like fifty thoughts you have. Right. Fuck, that would be crazy to have that yeah, ability. Yeah. Like Stephen King, I feel like that's a guy who he's just like every he's zeroed in so much. He's like one and two. He probably he because he was so prolific. He worked so fucking much with bro, so many ideas down. And and now you're seeing him reap the benefits in which he's just completely zeroed in, honed his craft, and literally he writes like eight fucking books a year. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's the that's the dream. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, de- decreasing that ratio of good stuff to bad stuff. <laughs> and and the, yeah, the the only way that you can get there is by just working at it, persistence. Yeah, got to get the <clears throat> 10,000 hours right. in, right? Yeah. Um But yeah, so so I've been doing that um that that uh science fiction stuff. And um oh, I, I, another another thing that the uh th- thing that I've been trying out there is um about a week ago, I started cycling through the old stuff, like the, like uh the first paragraphs <laughs> and then mm-hmm. um writing responses to them. <laughs> nice. so like oh that yeah that that's a good idea but then da, 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 da. how far back do these go like are these are these trains of thought that you've been holding on to for the last like three years or just like a year five months so i did like the first quarter or fifth back in october 2018 and okay. then so like six months yeah now. and then just and then the other fifths uh since january Yeah, how has it been to go back and revisit these these things? It's yeah, it's it's been. Um... What have your notes been like <laughs> to yourself? <laughs> Pretty critical at times, you know. Like if I, if I have a, this is this, this is why it's really important to go back and reread your stuff and rethink, because there were a few times where I came up with this metaphor, you know, I'll come up with like some metaphor that at the time, like, Oh yeah, it's really good. Yeah. That really gets it across. So yeah, deep. That's man. awesome. And then the, the love. Is. Yeah. And then I look at it later and it's just this, you know, I, I'm, I'm conflating two totally disjoint images and it makes no sense. And it, it's like even wrong. I, I think at one point I had, yeah, I had this idea of, um, you know, th- th- there's like three pillars for society. Uh, I won't go into it. Um, and at the time of writing it, I was like, yeah, it's like a pyramid. It's like the base of a pyramid. <laughs> then, um, then I realized later on, oh, wait, base of pyramid is, is four corners. It's, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't work. It's a triangle. Yeah. <laughs> The side of a pyramid, the side profile. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's fine. But, uh, but they usually say like what the 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 food pyramid, that's just a fucking triangle. That's true. They yeah, just, two-dimensional pyramid. You're good. Yeah, you're it's good. two-dimensional pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've... I've the, the closest thing that I can relate to that is is music because... I've like made some some beats that I'm like, oh fuck, this is fire. Like I might I might straight up get famous off this one. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, every now and then you get those those like, oh goddamn, I'm so that was that was a clever way to put that together. Cool. This is gonna be great. Yeah. Um 
so I had one of those and I was like, fuck, this is sick. I think I like, it was some effect. Like I turned the arpeggiation of, of like a chord up so you can automate arpeggiation and what arpeggiation is is like na 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 so that's what arpeggiation is for for people who don't don't know that word um so you can you can automate the rate at which the the program will will arpeggiate so the speed that that's coming at you and so at one point i like turned it way up so you like pretty much like it was crazy it was awful to listen to, but at, in the moment, I was like, that was fucking sick. Like, this is fire. I'm so excited off this right now. Like, I, like, you know, got up to a little dance, whatever. Um, and then I revisited that, like, the day after. Right. Like, not long. It didn't take me long to realize that was garbage. Um, and I was, like, listening to it, and I was, like, like, totally, like, disenchanted myself of myself. I was like, wow, this is fucking what do you even have like taste in music or ability or anything like that like what did what did you just make um so yeah, like maybe not as 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 bad but like um yeah no i've definitely had those and and that's not that rare honestly it's like i'll go back on anything and i'll be like why did i do that and i know that at the time i was like yeah that's sick let's do that right. and it was like a a a, a, a like conscious de decision i made to like you know change or or even like break like a musical rule like like and make something like two really discordant chords right together or something like that something that sounds like shit and and everyone knows that it sounds like shit and for whatever reason you're just like in the moment you're like fuck yeah that's sick um yeah so it's definitely important to to go back after right. the fact and re-listen or or reread or anything, things that you're going to put out in the world because your first impression is going to be so overly excited. Yeah. Uh, I, as you were saying that, like I, I totally relate to what you're talking about with the music for, for, for myself. Um, I, I find um, like w when I'm making music, it uh, like I'm building an idea and the the problem that i run into is that i have i really understand the idea i've heard it over and over again um you know because i've been playing it over and over again to myself and making variations or you know making decisions and so my, my brain really understands it it predicts everything and uh but when i step away from it take an hour break or a week or a day um, my brain forgets it, and so when I hear it again, it's just this mess of noise because <laughs> it's it, it's it's as if it's it's new. And um, yeah, I find that the the one of the big problems that I have with making music is that I, I tend to I tend to um, make I tend to make things too complex, so I'll just like layer stuff or just just kind of go go too far. And when I'm writing it, it makes sense. It's like, oh yeah, this is all this all works. This is good. <laughs> yeah, you're not breaking any music rules. So you're like, yeah, okay, this this will sound good. And like you've heard it so many times that you're now like, yeah, that, that sounds really good. People are gonna appreciate the complexity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's my yeah. thing. If I ever put complexity in anything, I do it with the subtle undertone of people will enjoy this complexity. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's yeah it's it's a tricky thing that i'm struggling to come to terms with because most people listen to music because it sounds good and that's it and (laughs) for 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 me it's like this you know i I get all pretentious about it and (laughs) um so trying to make sure it's sufficiently deep and interesting to me but uh totally listenable to to others is 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 it's a tough balance that i haven't really figured out yet it's an interesting one i found that because i fall victim to the same exact stuff um of like trying to make things overly complex or whatever and 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 just kind of like losing my way um i've i've definitely just found to re-listen to stuff the most to be like the best way forward especially like with um uh like mastering anything it's really really uh like because you can miss little subtle things and stuff so i've i've found like there's so much nuance and if there is it's like just so important to get those like go sleep on it fuck that's so important um yeah yeah cool well, uh, let's see. Do you ever feel that way about your your uh, like writing? Like you'll make it too complex, and then you'll go back and do that, or is it just things don't really work? I think I think I'm a better writer than I, or I, I'm better tuned to my audience as a writer than I am as a composer um Mm. like uh five years ago three years ago my writing was i I had the tendency to just use whatever word no matter how abstract or general it was um to express my ideas Uh, and i like i didn't really care as long as i got the idea as long as it made sense to me um yeah and so a lot of my writing would be very it would be like verbose and um uh actually vague because in my mind i'll i i would i would use i would use very general words that you know i'd be like oh yeah that, that works but um it's so general that um a non me reader <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't really necessarily know what I was talking about, so it'd just be really vague and awful to read. Yeah, there are certain words that you use every day that you're like really familiar right. with that like literally no one else is. Right. Man, I've yeah. literally <laughs> had this this learning curve of of doing exactly what you just described, of always being super verbose in my writing and just like convoluted to the point that I'm not making points. <laughs> yeah. Um and and in my mind while I'm writing it, I'm like, this sounds so great. Yeah. I I'm a great writer by being able to put these words in there. People are really gonna appreciate this complexity I'm throwing into <laughs> yeah. this shit. They're gonna and love then the and words. then I, I go and <laughs> they're gonna love these fucking words. <laughs> this 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 messed up sentence structure that like talks like Yoda, they will love that. It'll make it so easy for them to comprehend. Yep. They're gonna um, think I'm really smart. <laughs> but that's exactly, definitely not right? what I'm trying to get across i I care about the ideas 
<laughs> no, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to make the most solid argument that I yeah. can for my own, own, own work. So, like, yeah, I've had that exact learning curve of like, wow, that is such a stupid way to go about it. That like, all it does is is make it reduces your comprehension down to like nothing, right? Um, or comprehensibility right. for for things that you write. Um, and so, like, I've kind of thought that that's the similar approach is like for for music sorry um is that like you can't necessarily have such yeah such crazy things even if you really want to even you want to like flex on someone and and show them like the entire uh you know 12 12 notes in in an octave or something like that throughout something i don't know like this, however you want to introduce yeah, complexity yeah. into into music um i've i found that yeah it's 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 much harder to get your what you're trying to get across across because music at least i try to kind of and i feel like most people who do make music try to kind of have it develop and and mean something and kind of like have an overall feel and vibe and stuff like that and so i think like as soon as you introduce a lot of complexity into a piece a lot of that similarly to how when you're writing can be lost in the verb in in the the word choice um similar ideas can be applied to to music of just like really you only need four four notes (laughs) (laughs) similarly to uh to to like writing really like unless you're unless you're really trying hard to sound pretentious and and come across as like you know what you're you're talking about you really only need like a couple sentence structures a few words really simple stuff um and i think that applies to 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 writing for like creativity like like nonfiction and fiction um but there's obviously more wiggle room for for fiction stuff i think i I think the the main thing is being true to the idea that you're trying to convey and 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 true to the intention that you're trying to actually convey the idea (laughs) um it's uh at least that's the question that i have going on in my head whenever i'm reading my stuff or writing does this actually does this is this a joy to read uh does this just uh land gracefully and uh does do, do these words massage into the reader's mind <laughs> or do they bang into their ear and then and then screech at them <laughs> you know um uh that that is, I think, the most important question, or at least I, I find it's very, very, very helpful to have that question rolling around my head as I'm writing. Yeah, it's it's um, you know, like music's very structured or structural. It's it's very like, especially songs like pop songs. They're mm-hmm. very like, you have uh, a verse, you have a chorus, maybe a bridge. Like, it's very, very like. There's a few ways you can vary within that, but it's typically it all has the same components. Um, and and good music, or at least popular music, I don't know necessarily good music, is kind of anticipatable 
it, like it kind of you can at least the shit that I like you can kind of like see where they're going with it and then how it progresses and a certain drop or or anything right you can kind of anticipate these things especially like um I don't know I don't know a specific example but anyways what the point I'm trying to make with that is um similarly with with writing there'll be a point I think especially because I've edited my stuff so much that you'll almost anticipate where you're going with it and where I'm trying to kind of lead you and, and how these thoughts kind of work together. And it's kind of uh, like, there's so I'm not that I'm, I'm really dissecting it. There's a lot of like similarities and I guess they're just because they're creative uh, enterprises between writing and making music in that like, it's important to be simple enough that you can be understood and kind of um, follow alongable. If yeah, I'm gonna yeah. coin a fucking <laughs> phrase, like so, someone can can see where you're going and anticipate the movements and anticipate the story and stuff like that. It's although it borders cliche, it's it's very helpful for people to get that sense of familiarity. I. Think suppose and that's important for like when you want to re-listen to something or reread a book or or something like that i think it's really driven by familiarity right. um yeah and and especially with like science stuff like familiarity in the the structure is really really important like they have a very familiar structure with certain types of publications and and so it's that kind of constraining yourself to those ideas that is really helpful for clarity right yeah, I think I think one of the one of my biggest blunders as a musician has been a dis or like, a, like often a conscious uh, opposition to the rule of three <laughs> of you, you know like you, you you have a theme or an idea and then you play it and then you play it again and then you play it again a little bit different. Um, yeah. I uh, I don't know where that came from. That just my opposition to it. But I'm like, no, music can't be that simple. <laughs> just anti-establishment. Yeah. Just no. I refuse to conform with these people. Yeah. I will not. I will not make this in four four. Right. Room. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a pretty pretentious thing. But I, I, th I think that, that that rule is is, is extremely useful and. You can use it well to, and 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 it's okay to use it often. Like you, repetition isn't a bad thing. Um. So I I, I think I think. Uh, a healthy mix of clarity and repetition go a long way to uh, getting your ideas across. Well. <laughs> Yeah, like I think even like the rule of three literally applies to everything that you're trying to convey with people, right? Yeah. That's my understanding yeah. of it. Like in, in writing, you're supposed to say something in your thesis statement, kind of say that again by expanding on it and then restate it. That's three times that you're essentially saying the same idea. Um, in comedy, for something really to hit, you need to hit it. You know, comedy comes in threes, yeah, that right. old old saying um 
like yeah exactly uh the 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 structure of music you know there's usually three verses there's usually three choruses uh there's a lot of that like structure and i think it's 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 not necessarily a bad thing to play into certain psychological twerks quirks twerks isn't a word quirks (laughs) twerks is a completely (laughs) different word with completely different meaning um there's certain psychological quirks that you can really tee into that will make it so people will you know want to re-listen to your shit want to want to reread things will be able to comprehend things um just yeah i think that that's really really important and i think it's a psychological quirk that uh don't be ashamed to play into yeah. it, even though it's like conformist in a way. It it helps people to understand you. It's it's, it's human nature, and the 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 audience for <laughs> most creative content, anyways, is, is humans. And so it's it, it, one one is foolish to ignore the nature of their audience. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. it I guess I guess there 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 are probably niche uh, human beings out there who uh, who like uh, like it when you repeat subjects only twice or exactly four times. Yeah, they think. Yeah, exactly. Or they 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 think that three is over repetitive. There's also people that speak like Yoda, it's but true. that is not the general populace. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So writing. Writing is a is a is a really interesting uh all all encompassing highly applicable thing. <laughs> so so important. Yeah. And music. Yeah. The art of creation. The ability to to do that. Do you think convey meaning? Do you think uh creativity is uh is uh, learnable? Or only optimizable? Definitely learnable. Interesting. But definitely also optimizable. Um, yeah, no, like there's there's certain formulas that you can figure out that that work really well for you to create something and then just do that. But but uh in in regards to whether or not it's learnable, I think that the the idea that you get better as you go along makes it obvious to me that it is a learnable skill while everyone might not have the same baseline um i think if anyone keeps at doing something for long enough i think they probably can become uh, competent en- enough at it that they can you know create stuff that people can comprehend at the very least okay i'm thinking um yeah i guess everyone has a capacity for lateral thinking to some extent i don't know it'd be good to have research but and and yeah and really like what what is creativity either like that i feel is a is a really important question to really unpack first off because like creativity by the way that we've put it um is essentially do something until it hits you do it until it's good so to me by the way that we framed it creativity is nothing more than just a repetition of 
trying to make something that people, other people can listen to or enjoy or, or comprehend or something like that. So, so long as you continue to do it, I think that, yeah, you, you'll get better at those skills. Um, but like, what is creativity? Because I can sit at a piano and play like a couple things over and over and over again. And, and like, maybe they're like the really popular chords or something. And I'm just ripping people off. Um, but everybody loves it. Like, is that creative then? I don't like, I don't know what creativity is in the first place. Is what I'm trying to say, because that process while fronting is creative, you know, Oh, he's playing the piano. It's not necessarily right. that creative. If I'm, unsure of maybe the underlying structures or what I'm trying to accomplish or something like that. Maybe it's, uh, I, I, my, my intuition is, is, is that it seems to be tied to like the, the creator being sure in him or herself about the decisions that they're making. <laughs> um, okay, so, so like having so a, we... having a theory or uh, like a, a rationale, I should say, like just, just like a rational, like this is like they'll play something or they'll write something, and they'll be like, "That's good for these reasons." Um, and and so just to clarify, can those reasons be as simple as because I like it? I th I think. It would. I think that's a minimum. I I, I think it's better to have more reasons. <laughs> like I I like how the words are arranged together. Uh, they're, they're, there's a shape to them, or I, I like how they sound when I say these words in this order. I like the meaning of this word. And how it mixes with the meaning of that word. I think those are a bit deeper. So there has to be some reason to your rhyme. Yeah, and and I think I think yeah, exactly. And and uh I think the 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 creator has to have some sort of confidence or like determination. Like uh so yeah. you, so okay, so so to take uh the name of this podcast just because an infinite amount of monkeys writing on an infinite typewriters for an infinite amount of years can produce Shakespeare, that doesn't necessarily mean that that is a creative <laughs> output just because it's Shakespeare. That's an interesting point, yeah. Um, I don't know if... I, I, I think there is a difference between Shakespeare and that, that, that crazy monkey who just randomly produced all of Shakespeare's works um, I, I, I think I think there's something special about Shakespeare and that that isn't within that monkey and I, I, th I think yeah, that I matters. definitely agree that, that specialness matters is it because he uh, said it in threes though <laughs> <laughs> where's the where's the monkey just uh, just, uh, just just did it uh Billions of times, or nah, I don't know. I don't know how to extend this. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
it's definitely interesting to think about because um i guess i guess creativity because i was like we were talking about before um or in kind of like the previous subtopic of whether or not universities are teaching the appropriate skills and stuff like that and whether or not we could possibly start teaching things like creativity um I was just thinking, like, how how would you ever go about teaching people those skills of being able to understand that this is good and and like be confident in what they're making and um and fuck, what was the other thing we were saying? Oh, have intent. Did I already say intent? What were our criteria for creativity? I think that was it. Um, yeah, some some like confidence. Uh, a um a reasonably uh, deep rationale for the decisions made uh, so so do you think that maybe then like just teaching how metaphors are put together and and stuff like that is a, a reasonable way to attempt to do that because then at least you're understanding kind of like the at the very least the structural aspects of how you can do that through using examples i think because i know that that's an important thing i think that is a useful way to do it um but and i mean being anecdotal here i I think one of the most important ways to teach uh but maybe but but certainly um develop creativity is through critique excuse me um both receiving and giving um you know where 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 you you write something it doesn't matter the quality um and then you have you know, five people critique it they give you uh, e- equal amount of writing of critique and then you do the same to other people and you, you, everyone's prompted okay um do do you can you extrapolate the the intent of this writing uh or, or, or when you wrote this piece, did, what was your, what was the point? You know, I think, I think, anyways, this is, so I, I think it's through critique that that you learn to have those questions at, at the, the, the um, forefront of your mind, and I, I, I think that also inspires a, a confidence in your ability to, to um, recognize ingenuity. Uh, in both in others and in and in yourself well yeah because it's a kind of like a two-faced blade with that and that not only are you able to give criticisms but you're also receiving them so it's kind of a two-fold act in which you can see how people look poorly or negatively on your works and you can also see shortcomings in their works and then hopefully apply your you know ability to see these shortcomings and identify these problems uh, in your own stuff, maybe like without so much of the um, criticisms, I suppose. Like, because I don't think that that's necessarily needed always to to be like it is. It is, but but to a certain extent, it it no longer should be required for the process, right? Um, but I think that's a really good point, what you were saying, um, kind of like the two, the, the dual 
use of creating, like having the this time for creation and then also having this other time for criticisms and 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 development and, and making your ideas better and refined and such and such such and right. such um i think that's a really good point because that's kind of what they did in um uh university writing oh cool um it i don't i i could be wrong but i don't recall writing any poetry in poetry and drama is much more just criticisms of um, but I think those are really the only two English classes that I took. Um, and so like uh, on one aspect, it is kind of almost being taught there, but, but yeah, definitely, um, it isn't applied to the, to the level that it requires to properly teach people how to create and how to be creative because there's so many aspects to it and they're all very kind of lateral if, if, if I'm being honest, like they all seem based on our discussion, at least to require similar skills. Right. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. 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 Highly transferable things. Um, I think, uh, yeah, with that, with that dual critique idea, I, I think the studying examples piece fits in very nicely. It's you're making stuff your peers stuff and then you're looking at uh you know professionals or you know, basically poets or uh, wrote right biographies whatever um how, how do they... yeah past greats even like like yeah. to to stand on their example is a really important thing to just understand like the quality that's out there i'm sure gives people you know an idea of what is required yeah. right and I think um, also with with the, with the as far as the reason to to teach um, or encourage creativity in university, um, like I I, th I think one of the, the the reasons for for doing it, which I mean, maybe we should talk about that because it's not really obvious why why we should even bother with creativity. Um, but I, I, th I think one of the reasons is, is, or at least the, the one that's obvious or that, that whatever, <laughs> I'm just going to go into it, uh, is, is the, 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 there's a lack of confidence in, in a lot of people and their own ability to have new ideas and, and put them out there and, um, you know, very often, I, I think even tragically, most of the time good ideas are quashed within the first 10 seconds of having them in the person's mind who, who first had them. I, I think like on this note, I think that there, and I, I think this is just a saying, but the average person will have like $2 million ideas <laughs> in their lifetime, but only like 1% of people will ever act on right. that or some, some, some like, Ooh, sciencey sounding things because we use percentages and stuff. But it's one of those sayings, right? That like everybody has good ideas. It's just the lack of activity. And I think, uh, uh, fuck me, Einstein said it the best when he was like, 95% of genius is actually putting stuff out yeah. there. I'm paraphrasing, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but like there's this uh, attitude that yeah like you actually have to do stuff to be considered like creative and and valuable and and yeah there's i think it's a really good point that people don't have that confidence to to put things out there and they're you know kind of reticent to take any risk they're hesitant to to go out and stick their neck out and i honestly i think it's partially because there's criticism there's so much criticism out in the world so yes yeah I, i i think that that maybe how to handle stuff better yeah i don't know my thinking there goes to um that that sort of demonstrates the importance of or the, the value of being able to take criticism um, like if you if you if you can discern the difference between someone just being a jerk and someone actually like being critical of your work and with the intent to uh, give you good feedback and make it better um that that's a that's a that's an important thing to be able to recognize and and also an important thing to be able to give because <laughs> it's very often the case that people give criticism and they end up throwing in a bunch of uh insults <laughs> even unintentionally yeah um and and maybe it's because of a lack of of people giving criticism because like you definitely have to be mindful of the things that you criticize people with, but, but like, um, in, in, in the lab that I work in, we have this kind of idea that if there's something that like, for example, on this paper, if there's something that you, you wouldn't be comfortable publishing yourself because we have so many people working on it, then you have to like, call them out on it you have to criticize you have to like kind of have this discussion and 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 get to a point where you're both comfortable publishing this and so like that's that's collaborative and everything like that but um the the idea is is also very pertinent to this um like you have to be able to if you if you see something that you don't like or you don't think represents somebody or or like it's almost like you have to like go out of your way to look out for people in this respect um if there's something like you say you release a song tale and i think it's complete trash and i don't tell you about it uh by by our standards in our lab that's considered rude that's considered unprofessional that's considered like a a slight to you um, so it's kind of like this, this idea that you really do going back to, I think another podcast, you really do need to find that group of people who are, you're willing to kind of accept their criticism and believe in it and who are willing to be open enough with you to actually give you that criticism and, and who are looking out for what's best for you by giving you this criticism. Because like, I, I think. I think a lot of what the fear comes from is just being criticized by people who don't do the fucking thing. Mm. Um, like critic critics, they don't make music or movies or, or shit like that. Right. They criticize that. Uh, and they make a living off of that. I fucking hate those. That's types a weird thing because I can't stand them. Like, I don't know if it's anyone else's feeling, but like if you're not willing to do the fucking thing actively, don't say a fucking word about it. You're not, you're not 
in the field. So why do you ever assume that you like unless you like spent a lot of time as a music producer? Like, don't don't just hate on someone's fucking music. You don't know shit. Anyways, that's that's my my... (laughs) no one's hating on my stuff. I'm just saying, like, you watch out in the future. Right, right. Uh, You don't know. I don't care what these haters say. But that's another thing. (laughs) Anyways. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, people who just hate out of nowhere? Just the the, the idea of critics. Because, like, I'm thinking about, like, in writing, you have writers' groups, and everyone's a writer, and they all talk about Mm -hmm. writing. Critics don't go to those groups. (laughs) No, they don't do it. It's just, I don't think. Like, it'd be more appropriate to to be a teacher and, and be a critic, right? Because that, to me, makes sense. But if you're not even teaching, like, I don't care if you're not making music for, like, actively producing or actively making movies or actively writing, but but to not even be anywhere near the right. industry, to just be that guy who's throwing shit just to make a living at people. Yeah. I hate those yeah, people. Yeah, that's just noise. It's just, they just make a noise for a living. <laughs> it's literally just noise. Yeah, they drive me crazy. Although, I mean, there, there is... Uh... There's a lot to be said for, uh, in uh, criticism as interpretation. You know, like you can interpret art and literature, and uh, in that way you you can be critical. Like, oh, this metaphor wasn't very good. Um, whatever, they'll do that. I don't know, but yeah, like like it's it's fair. I just the people who make a living yeah. off of doing that. <laughs> Like, if you're just some offhand guy who's like, you know, I don't think that the Shrek metaphor or the ogre metaphor or the onion metaphor in Shrek, whatever I'm trying to say, I don't think that the onion metaphor really worked for me in Shrek. Yeah, you can say that offhand comment, but like, if you're a critique, a critic, and you're like, you know, going off of like, oh, they didn't use that onion metaphor well. And this is just a hypothetical. I don't know if anyone's really critical off of that metaphor, because I thought it was clever shit. Um but if you are that guy, like, yeah, sure, you can say that offhandedly, but, like, don't make a fucking living just, like, critiquing that type of stuff. I don't know. It's, it is valuable to a point, but on 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 that level, you kind of have to look at it macroscopically. Like, if everyone's saying something, then, yeah, it may be that criticism holds true. Um, but other than that, a critic's opinion is just one dude's opinion who doesn't do shit, in my yeah. opinion. <laughs> but I don't criticize people, so I guess I can't criticize the criti- critiques, critics. <laughs> I gotta actively criticize to be critic. Criticize. Wow, this is too much. Of I a love it. Tongue twister. Keep going. <laughs> We're getting so meta. That's what we should yeah. do, though. We should, um, just, uh, we should don't get rid of critics. Just start criticizing the critics and make a new industry. Oh my god, criticizing critics. Metacritics. Yeah, but- isn't that a fucking yeah. uh, YouTube thing, Meta- Metacritic or I think something? I it's like a video game rating website or something. Oh, it, yeah, it, it's it, definitely it, something else. It aggregates okay. all video game journalism ratings for a game and gives it a... Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what that is. Stole our idea. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, getting back onto like the confidence <laughs> yeah. thing, 
I think that that it's those types of people that really fuck with people's confidence. Um, so so I I suppose yeah, being able to differentiate between what an actual criticism that you should hold to your heart is versus something who's just some fuck face making noise on the internet. Man, it really does sound yeah, like I'm like calling like... someone out. I swear <laughs> to God, I'm not. <laughs> I haven't gotten any hate, but Son of yeah. a bitch. Um, no, just, I just, hurt. I really don't like. I just really don't like critics, <laughs> even though I can't say their their name. It's because I I hardly have respect for them, so I <laughs> always go to criticizers. That's what I want to say in my head. Um, but yeah, so I think teaching people the the difference between what like a just an uh, a random fuckhead being hurtful is versus someone who actually has got your back and is looking out for you and, and trying to do your best by you. Right. I think that's a really important thing to have. And it all goes back to um, just having a good support system around you, having having people who have similar interests and, and similar things who can be open with you and, and get into that mindset that, you know, I don't think that this is really working or, or it doesn't even have to be like, like how many times I've shown someone like a beat or something. They've been like, ah, yeah, it's pretty good. I can take that. I can understand that subtext that it's not where I want it to be. So like, so long as you have those people that you know, aren't going to just like, yeah, yeah, do that. It's great for you. Like send that out there, you know, um, those people who are looking out for you is, is really important to have. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, I feel like there's a uh, there's an interesting piece to finding those people because that the 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 creator criticizer relationship or creator creator relationship uh, with mutual criticism um, is 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 a relationship that needs to be developed and. Uh, a rapport needs to be developed, and I feel like I'm kind of getting meta here because I'm. This is this is something that we haven't really developed with each other. <laughs> um, no, totally. It, you know, it's, it's always a, a good thing to to do. Um, well, I, I I find um, like uh, when if I'm if I'm given somebody's work. And I'm, uh, and like they just sort of give it to me. I have a listen or I have a read. Um, like, well, well, with writing, it's easiest because you can always critique grammar. You, you can always, like, well, that doesn't work. Uh, sentence structure is a bit confusing, you know. Um, but, uh, but with music, I find I, I, I've, 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 difficult time uh doing a generic critique unless the person's like asked me like what do you think of this specific element uh i was trying to accomplish this um yeah i don't know i just just threw a bunch of ideas at you but what do you think about the about developing that rapport uh yeah no it's it's like I think critical to to creativity um, and and the ability to do that very well can determine people's ability to succeed. Like I think that there's a there's a ton of of 
um, power in being able to, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Like, get people. Like, I know there's a better word than get, but get people to like be honest with you, um, and 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 kind of have that quid pro quo kind of uh, situation where like you're not gonna take the the criticisms to heart because that's you almost have to have like an explicit agreement and the ability in which you navigate that is is uh, difficult because everyone has different you know impressions on how they take things and stuff like that so it's it's really important to to have the ability to say like uh like be honest what do you think of this and 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 to have that and not come back as oh i thought that this was good um like that generic thing to have that come back as it's it's kind of i suppose yeah like it's almost insulting where 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 someone isn't just putting the time to uh, actively criticize it because it's it it is a process of creativity that you almost have to get other people to partake in with you in which you're actively looking at and analyzing what's wrong, what could be improved and so on and so forth. And unless you tell somebody that you want them in that role, that you're, that you signal to them, Hey, um, uh, like your criticisms are valued and I would like to get your honest opinion on us on, on a few things or, or something like that. Like, it it is a process of of including someone. That's the word I was looking for. Including, you're including a, another person in the in the collaboration right. process. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, being able to ask them that is is critical. And I think you have to be explicit about it. You have to say, "Can you give me feedback on maybe it doesn't like." convey a meaning maybe maybe this part is muddy like like i know i I send people some of my uh ideas and they'll send back criticisms because i haven't specified like what i'm specifically looking for and then be like oh like this one part is muddy or something like that and then i can like oh that's a problem i didn't i didn't uh recognize but like what did you think of this and then i can go and fix those things or address those problems and stuff like that but unless you actually tell them hey what what do you think of this? Like, can, can I get your opinion on this specific part, this progression, this uh, pattern, uh, whatever it might be, this sentence, this paragraph, all of those things, then I think it's uh, unfair to always expect that from people, I suppose. Right. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like definitely it's, it's, it's an important skill to have to just be able to, ask someone like hey can you give me your feedback and then and then and then have kind of that can it please be honest like i i actually want it to be honest i want this to be better after going through your ears right. not the same i don't want my ego a little bit more inflated i actually i'm at this point lost in this project don't know where to yeah. go and maybe your criticism will help me go forward yeah. because a lot of the times when i send people stuff like I, i'm just fishing for like what sucks yeah <laughs> like tell me please like what what sucks like what stands out what specific second stands out that you're like wow as soon as i heard that i kind of wanted to skip the song anything like that um and and the great thing about the relationship that i have with like my lab and my and my uh PI, my principal investigator, my professor, 
is that we have this very explicit agreement in which yeah like it's 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 rude not to do that to somebody and and anything that that we're going to work on is essentially collaborative and and should be treated like your own work so nice. yeah i don't know that's a long rant on on it's important to get people to be honest when they criticize right i i really like that how you have to be explicit in asking people to be honest and for, 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 for yeah <laughs> yeah because it's not necessarily something that like people always want to go out for like like um uh <sighs> sometimes when you just release a song, you don't want to hear people say, oh, this right. sucks or something like that, you know? Just, like, you want to avoid those positions. So, you know, if if someone sends you something and they ask you to, to edit it or something like that, then it's important to be, like, mean almost to them. Mm-hmm. Like, hold them to a fucking high standard. Right. As high a standard as you want to hold yourself to. Right, right. Cool. <laughs> so let's see. We talked about music. We talked about writing. I don't know. Do, do, do we do anything other? Uh, do, do we do any other creativity stuff? Do you need to like video stuff or me? I don't. I don't do video stuff. I should. I should start. I wanna fuck. This is a a, a dream of mine, and this is maybe the first time I'm saying oh, it to man. the world. But um, I really want to write comedy. You heard it live here, folks. Like. <laughs> Cutter's doing comedy. Just like not fuck, not um not like like stand up or anything like that, but like skits. Oh fun. I don't know. Yeah. I think that would be fun. I just wanna my whole like my whole idea is that if you just do everything like it's for for creativity, if you just put it all out there, eventually there's gonna be some spaghetti that sticks to the wall. Yep. <laughs> um and so that's really the, the 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 mindset that I approach things. And so literally, like I was like, I came up with this funny joke. I can't remember it, but it made me laugh. Um, something morbid. Um, and uh, it made me laugh. And I was like, man, like I I do this all the time. I should just start writing it just on the demo. Nice. So there's a creative thing that's uh, I want to do. I don't do it, but I want to do it. Also, culinary art that would be oh, cool. fun. But that's more of like a finicky thing. But that's just like to eat stuff makes it nice, makes it nicer when it looks nice yeah. to you. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Any any little uh, projects that you want to get started? Um. Let's see. Even little things. Little things. I, I, I'm really more like audio and writing, and right now, like pretty much just writing, a little bit of music. I mean, I I, I kind of want to get into like voice acting, like amateur voice acting. Oh, you'd be great with that. I think you should definitely put some stuff together. It's, it is it is fun to do, but there is a lot of editing work. Well, that's not like, the sorry. That's not the hardest. There's people. That's true. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I can't really think of much else other than this. I'd love your I'd love your voice on an audiobook. That'd be lovely. <laughs> well, I'll uh 
I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Um, a, yeah, a, a side project thing that I've been uh, working on very, very casually is um, I think I actually mentioned it on the last show. I don't know. The, um, like recording um, Foucault. <laughs> uh, not Michel Foucault, but uh, François de la Roche Foucault. <laughs> <laughs> um very different yeah. people uh but like o- older older works that uh are interesting and sound really nice <laughs> um but are not really well known that's that's something that that's interesting to me although i don't know how <laughs> How much of a market there is for not well-known uh, <laughs> classic writers? <laughs> you gotta make your market. Just convince them that there's something really. Yeah. Like the, the the listeners convince them that there's something deep that modern society needs yeah. nowadays. Yeah, yeah, that that that's true. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's that's about it. Lots of writing. That's mostly what I'm doing. <laughs> Yeah, that's a time-consuming process, Jesus. <laughs> at least for me, because I have to edit my stuff like 9,000 times because I apparently suck at writing. I don't know about that. I've, I've, I've read your stuff. No, no. No, no. No, no. It's awful. But it's getting well, better. You... That's the important thing to keep in mind. I'm at that point where um, in the in the... Fuck, I want to say Hardy Weinberg, but I know it's not. I know that's genetics. Dunning-Kruger. I'm that <laughs> part in the Dunning-Kruger where my writing, it, my confidence is about as low as it could possibly oh, be. Sign. I know, that's what I was going <laughs> to say. I'm like, oh, there's, I'm on the mend then. This can only last for a couple of years. <laughs> so yeah, so I, 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 I'm I, there. So I'm happy with that. I'm fine. I can acknowledge that I'm a shitty writer. Well, dang, no, no, no. That's, uh, that means that to be writing like like a crazy person and you're just gonna be moving up that curve so fast yeah exactly well like now uh isn't it the important part because now that i know i'm such garbage i can (laughs) just really pump myself up right now because i know that i'm such garbage i can now go back to the drawing board and optimize and address where i'm garbage and fix those things and become better as a result and i think that's the part of the Dunning-Kruger that I'm at, right? Because the first part, you're like, oh, I don't even care, and I'm not going to develop these skills because I'm on boss. (laughs) I'm just naturally really awesome at this. Yeah. Yeah. It turns out I am a phenom at writing science. A phenom? Yeah, like a phenomenon. Oh, oh, I see. Only happens once in a century. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, so um, I've dispelled that illusion. (laughs) Dis disillusioned myself. I guess when you get to the bottom of the um, curve, that's like you get there by having an idea of what you're doing wrong, and that's the yeah. first step to getting better. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not really down on myself about it because, like, I, I acknowledge that it's a good thing. So if anyone ever is like feeling really shitty about their skill at something, just know that that's kind of a good sign. It it really is. I, I think I think a, a lot of I think we tend to. At least, at least in writing, particularly science writing, although not not necessarily particularly science writing, but um, a lot of 
a lot of people suck at writing <laughs> and a lot of people are 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 on the other end of the curve <sighs> and so just by being on the uh the uh, non-diluted side of the curve no matter how high or low you are you're <laughs> you're yeah. better to, probably doing better than than uh than like half or at least a third <laughs> yeah yeah, and that's the like I was saying. That's the part where you can actually start to to improve, um, uh, aware, right? Aware of your improvement, actively improve right. things, and and then it'll it because the way that it works, it's like fucking you'll become so much better at your thing once you have no confidence in yourself. <laughs> so like on one hand, if you're really feeling unconfident, just like keep at it and don't give up because you will be better sooner than later. And, uh, yeah, this is just, you're in the bottom of the Dunning-Kruger. Whoever needs to hear this. Where does the drive to persistence come from at that point, though? Because if, if, you, if you think that you're shit, um, where, where, does, where does the drive come from if you think you're shit? I think that it comes from awareness that it gets better. Like, like at least for me. Knowing and understanding the Dunning-Kruger effect was actually right. really illuminating. Um, so if someone doesn't understand what I'm saying when, I, when I'm just saying, oh, this, ooh, Dunning-Kruger, um, it's this idea that as you're getting better at something, your confidence slowly will peak and then it will go down a chasm as, as you realize that um, uh, you actually suck at that thing that you just began doing. Because beforehand, you weren't necessarily aware that what you were doing was wrong. And so then your confidence will start going down because you'll start realizing that everything that you were doing was wrong beforehand. And then slowly but surely, you will get more and more confidence and you will get better at the thing so long as you continue to do it and only if you continue to do it. And, and so it's really contingent on the, the idea that you have to practice a thing. And once your confidence is as low as you can go, it can only go up. And so that's my right. whole drive behind it. Because as soon as you realize that you're terrible at something, as soon as you like, and it, it can't just be like, like I, I legitimately at this point, I beat myself up so much for my writing and it's, it sucks. So like I kind of start to take a, a joking approach to cool. it, <laughs> a, a bit of a jovial approach because it's easier to cope with the fact that I like, I literally was deluded and thought I could write before. Um, and I used to get mad at people, like a professor gave me 35% on, a, on a, an essay once, and I was like, how dare you? And now looking back at it, I was like, that's probably fair, um, because I was deluded. So it's, it's that idea that once you've gotten s such a low amount of confidence in yourself, but like you continue to persist at something, you will get better at it, and then as you slowly will get better at a thing, then you will gain more and more confidence because you'll realize, hey, I'm actually good compared to some of these other people who are, are saying that they're really good. Because eventually you'll, you'll level out at a point where you're really fucking good and have the same amount of confidence as someone who is complete garbage. Right. <laughs> and now you'll know that they're garbage because you've lived that right. life and you can see that they're garbage. But now you can be like, wow. That person is so deluded, and now you're on the other side of that chasm. And so the thing that drives me is just, I can't wait until I'm at the point that I can see across that chasm back onto the other side of, like, you know, delusional mountain and be like, <laughs> wow, look at these people. Look at them. Then you can, like, if they're open, you can actually, like, guide them 
back on but to, to, to your side because you know exactly how to get there exactly that's a that's a huge point is is then you can actively guide people yeah no that's it's it's an amazing skill to be able to mentor someone and it, it takes uh it takes a lot of effort and it it the rewards i think are, are lifelong right. in in mentoring people because you're literally developing a human being to go off and do something that's like probably going to be important to them therefore important to multiple people right right yeah it has a cascade that I've been um, trying to develop in my writing. Uh, I, lo- I love that this podcast has just basically turned into like another creativity podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this is what happens when Theo and Gunnar have, 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 have conversations. Yeah, we need, we need Tyler to ground us in, in education. Yeah. <laughs> Come back from Portugal. <laughs> um. Uh, one thing that I've been trying to uh, focus on with my writing recently is is to really um, is to motivate myself by how uh, strong I believe in what I'm trying to write. If that makes any sense. No, it totally like, does. I, I I think one of the main reasons why you should write is because you have something to say. <laughs> yeah, you need a you need almost a purpose, yeah, exactly. right? Like, the, like there's the, the it, but but there's there's kind of a pretension to it. It's like you 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 kind of have to or you have to be convinced that only you have this uh, have have this thing to say, and if you don't say it, then it might not be said. And so you, you yes. owe it to some other people or everyone or whatever to, to, to write. I, I, fi- I find that to be very, very motivating and like an almost endless source for, for, for drive. That's really cool that like, hey, if, if I don't do this, it won't get done. Right. And yeah. And, and also like, I, I, there, there's a trap I notice, or a, a trap, a, a hole that I that I have fallen into, and that I, I I now try to avoid, which is the assumption that what I have to say is important, because like it it might not be important, but at the very least, <laughs> I'm probably the only one who can like say it this way or say it at all, and. In this specific way, or or whatever you right. want, yeah, yeah, no, that's and totally. that's important. It, it doesn't matter if it like affects some crazy thing. I don't know, whatever. Um, just just the 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 individual ingenuity of it is important, though. Yeah, no, I I really like that I, idea to be driven by the idea that like this the world will be better if I do this and, and I, I'm the only one that is necessarily going to do it. Right. Like I, I really like that. That's, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Or at least it could be better. <laughs> and j- it, just, yeah. Like, and, and it's, enough. and, and the idea that like 
that everything that everything that you're doing has to matter i don't or be important i think is really it's kind of contradictory but it's preventative for people to actually do stuff you'll be because you think that your shit matters so much and and maybe you think that and i just mean like you in general people um because because we have that feeling that the things that we do need to be important or will be important, or we have that expectation that, that, that only the things that are important to a large amount of people <laughs> are worth right. doing, or like there's so many ideas that, that the value of doing a thing doesn't necessarily ha- have to be its importance. And, it, it doesn't have to be related in any way. And, right? and how can you know? If it's going to be that important, it's not like you can know the future, and and so if you're constrained by, you know, if you only do things because they'll they'll be important, then you're you 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 can't you you're doomed to do things that are really predictable, or you know what I mean, or or something you're you're bound to do something poorly that someone else is going to do right. way better than right. you and then what you're doing in the first place doesn't actually matter because you know someone actually did a really fine job on this one thing that like I don't know yeah. I know research is is really cutthroat with like you know someone will publish a paper and that might be what my thesis is on in the next few years and then what my thesis is on is no longer novel so that's like a huge risk always and that's the same thing with everything so you definitely have to be more internally driven than just being get putting producing important things things that will be important and i think also yeah like you were saying you you're constrained to the present you and you can't necessarily predict the importance of things maybe something that you put low level uh, like anticipate a low level of importance on somebody put a ton of importance on and it like saved them from killing themselves. Right, and right. so there's things like the butterfly effect, which like you never know if you, if that thing that you're putting out into the world is going to be that thing that saves somebody or does anything. You never know. Right. So like the idea that, you know, I'm not going to put it out there because it's not important to a lot of people. So long as it's important to like a few people, I think that that's 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 more important, right? Or, it's um, or even if it has the potential to be important for somebody, yeah. just the potential is is enough because like the with the way things are, everything that you produce is essentially out there forever now, right? So like you never know. Maybe in in 40 years, someone listens to something that that. Uh, you or I made, and it, it helps them have a slightly better day because they heard of of music from a past time. You never know. Right. Um, and so it's kind of like those ideas that like it's so pointless to try to put importance onto your onto the things that you're doing and it's it's more it's more important to put importance on just putting things right. out. That's so confusing. Yeah, to say. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a really great writer, <laughs> folks. Yeah, so 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 it's it's. I guess it's I guess it's part of self validation. <laughs> something I've been working on for myself a lot. I, I found I had this need to. If I made something, I, I kind of needed certain key people to see it and be like, "Oh yeah, that's good." <laughs> uh, 
and um, I, I I didn't really have a explicit like conscious sense of self validation for, for for my work. So I I, I, th- I think that's where this has been coming from for, for myself, trying to figure out okay what, what how how do I drive myself to do what I'm already inclined to do. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's a really uh, self validation. Yeah, how how do you how do you internalize that? That's a really because like at the end of the day, you just have to be happy with what you're putting out there, and and it doesn't necessarily matter what what this other stuff is. That's why like I'm a big fan of like I want to release some of the shittier stuff that I do. That I'm just like, yeah, I think this sounds neat. And I probably eventually will yeah. just because it's like I enjoyed it. Maybe someone else will, even one person. And so like it's 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 really it's a it's a good way to to look at things is like I'm just happy, you know, putting these things out there and 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 being, yeah, self-validated. Um, I I don't know what really drives like I think it's just the the I think it's just the idea that eventually someone will listen to a song of mine and really like it and that's enough for me and so long as I continue to make stuff then people will like it um that's like really all the validation that I need and I don't even know if if like because I don't want to take a really laid back approach to things yeah, right. because I feel like that's, that's kind of if, if the things that I feel like are important enough to put out into the world aren't being treated with the right response or the appropriate amount of like importance, does that make any sense? Like if I'm like, guys, this is a really amazing song. I'm going to try to like promote it and stuff like that and do those things. And I think just like, being able to realize um, the quality in your own things mm. and and the impact that it can have is really important because that will also drive you to kind of rather than just uh, passively put things out there and create for the sake of creation, it might actually also help to substantiate the ideas that you're what you're doing out there. Right. What you're putting out there is important, and then other people will think that, and then kind of look on that. So, like, it is important to think what you're doing is important, but I don't think that it's it's important to definitely find that from within. Right. Long winded way of saying that, but right, yeah. Yeah, if you have to believe in what you put out, otherwise, why would someone else believe in it? If if the person who created exactly, it yeah, no, that <laughs> that's a way better way of putting it. Um, yeah, yeah. So I I think. It, just to sum that up, yeah. If 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 I'm willing to put it out there, I don't want to just passively right. do it. I also want to be, you know, this is I believe in this stuff, and and I think you guys should listen to it. I think this will help you, and I think that, and and so on and so forth. Right. So it's it can also be really driving to have those ideas of like, hey, this is important um, to yourself because that might help you promote these things more. Rather than like, oh, someone else didn't find my shit important. I'm going to give up, right? right? That's not the best way to do it. It's better to be like, I think that this matters what I'm doing. So I'm going to put it out there and I'm going to promote it. And, you know, it's like my baby and I'm going to try to cultivate it into, you know, something beautiful. Right. That's, yeah. You got to believe it. Yeah, yeah. Got to believe in yourself to believe in it too. Yeah. 
Cool. Oh, I mean, we just did, uh, what was that, like two hours? Pretty much yeah just just about awesome you wanna you wanna call it a day I, there i think so i think i think uh i think that i think i'm getting tuckered out yeah same it's uh it's 9 30 right now people yeah. it's, it's really late, late night edition that's why we uh that's why we ran to started talking about uh music and stuff yeah. it's that late night jam <laughs> sesh <laughs> there it is yeah I, re- I really enjoyed this this conversation I feel like we went longer than we usually do because uh, we talked about mm-hmm. stuff that we're both really into. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. Uh, do you got any stuff that you oh, want to yeah, plug? Plugging stuff. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, you can find uh, me. You can find my music and other things on my website at teogedi.com. T a o g a e d e. Also, follow me on Twitter at teogedi, and you can find my Facebook page uh, at uh, Gady Creative. Or I post uh, everything that I'm doing um, there. Yeah. What about you, Gunnar? Um, yeah, I've I've recently released my first song All ever, right. so go and and listen to it. It's under my uh, producer name, which is Helster Von Allen. Uh, How do you, you can spell find that? it on SoundCloud. H e l l s t e r Von V o n Allen A l l e n. Awesome. Yeah, whole thing. Um, yeah, alter ego, producer ego. <laughs> so, so yeah, be sure to go check that out. It's a pretty dope song, and I think uh, I think you'll enjoy it if you listen to it. Heck yeah, awesome. Well, and then also I have all my social media, uh, Instagram and Twitter, and I don't know. Follow me if you want. Send us an email at infinitemonkeyspodcast <laughs> at gmail dot com. Yeah. Yeah, um, or you know, send us uh, tweets on our Twitter. Uh, I think t- yeah, Tyler's is uh, at Tyler Tyler Wenzel. Oh shoot, I should know this. Tyler- J Wenzel J. He J. always says that okay. J in Tyler J Tyler Wenzel. J Wenzel and uh, you're Gunnery at Gunneries. Yeah, R H Y S. Yeah, for sure. And um, and and if you found anything in this podcast helpful or or would like to. Uh, support us please feel free to share it uh you can support us on patreon with money but it's unnecessary uh a share a like a comment all of these things help they're all nice non-monetary ways to support the podcast so hope you guys do it subscribe if you want to yeah or just think about it and you know that's enough <laughs> do it Oh, <laughs>